welcome to Carmelite Conversations. This is Francis Harry. In the year 2022, we're going to have a lot of presentations on the Holy Spirit. We have been discerning and felt very strongly that um, we need to put some emphasis on learning about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit has been working in the life of many of our Carmelites. So we're starting out this year with a presentation by Marika Zimmerman, who is the president of the Secular Order of Discalced Carmelites in Dayton, Ohio. And her talk is called Carmel and the Holy Spirit. She's going to be using scripture and citations from the catechism and also examples from the life of St. Teresa of Avila to help us in understanding um, the role of the Holy Spirit um, in Carmel, uh, talk about some of the symbols, um, how it relates to our mission. And she's going to end with this wonderful uh, poem um, on the Holy Spirit by St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. I think you will find it very enjoyable. And this will be beginning a series that we'll be doing all year long. So with that, we just ask the Holy Spirit to come and enlighten us and guide us and help us to learn um, more about the Holy Spirit and welcome him deeper into our lives. God bless you. All right, so my, uh, my talk is entitled Carmel and the Holy Spirit. And so I'd like to begin with a very short opening prayer. Come Holy Spirit, come by means of the most powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, your well-beloved spouse. Amen. So I have the pleasure of starting off this year's general meeting presentations. This year, our focus is the Holy Spirit. So just a little background on how the topic came to be chosen by the council. Back in 2021, our theme was living the Carmelite charism in our daily lives. And we focused on making a good Carmelite and gaining a better understanding of our charism. These were practical tips from our Carmelite saints for daily application. We did this because the OCDS program formation says, good formation depends on good information. Formation is distinct from information in that the goal of formation is to help us put into practice what we learn through the process of formation. The guidelines go on to say, Finding ways to practically apply formation teaching according to the circumstances of the individual and local community is an important aspect of each community's formation program. So within this theme, we explored the practical means of living out our secular Carmelite vocation. Recalling the words of Father Aloysius Dini from an article he wrote entitled Profile of an OCDS, he says, your vocation does not develop in a monastery. It develops in a home. It develops in a family. It develops in a workplace. It develops in a local parish and in a diocese. That is the context where you integrate the experience of God with your life and you become contemplative because in order to become contemplative, just like the nuns, just like us, you must also fulfill your mission in the church, but not as we do, or not as the nuns do. The world really needs you. As contemplatives in the world, who live in the world, who don't look like nuns, who don't look like friars, but look like people who know the value of God in their lives. So as I reread uh, and prayerfully reflected on Father Dini's words, 
it confirmed in me that indeed we needed to focus on the hidden power source behind our actions in fulfilling our mission as secular Carmelites in the church. The power source, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spiritual is in the spiritual formation in the life of a Christian. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He gives believers an inward assurance of salvation. So each month, we gather as a community and begin by praying our opening prayer to the Holy Spirit, which is the sequence prayer from the Pentecost liturgy. We did this again at the start of this meeting. As I said at the beginning, as I said in the beginning, our theme for 2022 is the Holy Spirit. The idea of our general meeting presentations actually came to me at Holy Mass in the early weeks of Lent of 2021. You can imagine how excited I was when Deacon's homily during the Holy Hour in March of 2021 was on the Holy Spirit. His words were confirmation to me. Then in August, the theme for our district retreat was the Holy Spirit, our friend, further confirming that this was the direction we were to travel. So who is the Holy Spirit? In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, number 691, we read, Holy Spirit is a proper name of the one whom we adore and glorify with the Father and the Son. The church has received this name from the Lord and professes it in the baptism of her new children. The term spirit translates the Hebrew word ruach, which means in its primary sense, breath, air, and wind. Jesus indeed uses the sensory image of wind to suggest to Nicodemus the transcendent newness of him who is personally God's breath, the divine spirit. On the other hand, spirit and holy are divine attributes common to the three divine persons. By joining the two terms, scripture, liturgy, and theological language designate the inexpressible person of the Holy Spirit without any possible equivocation, without with other uses of the term spirit or holy. In the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, we read, After Jesus' resurrection, the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Apostles were gathered in the upper room when there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It was on Pentecost that the apostles received the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. In our churches, religious art and liturgical prayers, we use a variety of symbols to represent the Holy Spirit, all of which come from the Bible. These being fire from Acts 2, wind from Acts 2, water from Matthew 3 and John 3, uh, the cloud from Exodus 16, anointing with oil from Acts from the Acts of the Apostles 10 and from John 2. But one of the most common symbols of the Holy Spirit is the dove. And it comes from the story of Jesus' baptism, which we're celebrating today. When Jesus saw the Spirit like a dove descending upon him, it is the Holy Spirit who breathes life into the church. And it is through the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we deepen our intimacy and our relationship with Jesus. In doing research for this talk, I was struck by the various artist depictions of our Holy Mother Teresa. 
Also, you should know that this year, March 12th of 2022, marks the 400th anniversary of her canonization. So you'll notice these five different images uh, and uh, depictions of Mother Teresa. And in each instance, um, we see the Holy Spirit fluttering above her head. And this struck me because most artist depictions of saints rarely show the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove as we see with St. Teresa. In Isaiah, we read that the Holy Spirit bestows upon us the sanctifying gifts of wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. These good gifts from God are our helps in the journey of the life as a Christian. The gift of wisdom, by detaching us from the world, makes us relish and love only the things of heaven. The gift of understanding helps us to grasp the truths of the Catholic faith. The gift of counsel springs from supernatural prudence and enables us to see and choose correctly that which will help us most to, to the glory of God and our own salvation. By the gift of fortitude is the courage that we need to overcome the obstacles and the various difficulties that arise in the practice of our religious duties. The gift of knowledge points out to us the path to follow and the dangers to avoid in order to reach heaven. The gift of piety in inspiring us with a tender and filial confidence in God makes us joyfully embrace all that pertains to his service. And lastly, the gift of fear of the Lord fills us with a sovereign respect for God and makes us dread above all things to offend him. Okay, these most powerful gifts are bestowed freely by the Holy Spirit. He is present around us and more importantly within us and that is part of the Holy Spirit's mystery, working within us in a hidden manner. His presence is more subtle than that of the Father and the Son. Not that the Holy Spirit can't or doesn't make his presence known in a more obvious fashion. The Holy Spirit's guidance is there simply for the asking. And when asked, he is known for his very prompt response. In living lives cultivated by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we reap fruits, as St. Paul tells us in his letter to the Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. The Holy Spirit is always with us. The Holy Spirit enables us as Christians to become faithful members of the body of Christ, which is the church. Without the guidance of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, man's reason is darkened. He begins to operate in the flesh, in compulsion, greed, and haste. Without piety and fear of the Lord, he begins to act as if he himself were God. As Carmelites, our mission is to know God so that he may be known. And like the wind, which we cannot see, but only experience its effects on things, so it is with the Holy Spirit. Mary is our mother, and we who under her patronage as sons and daughters of Carmel on the, are on the journey with her. She leads all souls to Christ Jesus, her son. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, 26 through 31, and 34 through 35 and 38, we read, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. 
Then Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 744, we read, In the fullness of time, the Holy Spirit completes in Mary all of the preparations for Christ's coming upon among the people of God. By the action of the Holy Spirit in her, the Father gives the world Emmanuel, God with us. Catechism 4, 745 says, The Son of God was consecrated as Christ, the Messiah, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit at his incarnation. And in refer it references psalm, the second psalm, verses 6 and 7, where we read, I myself have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord, he said to me. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And number 743, from the beginning to the end of time, whenever God sends his son, he always sends his spirit. Their mission is conjoined and inseparable. So what power? Our Blessed Mother is the spouse of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear me? She is the spouse of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit comes from within her heart into ours. She said yes to God, and she chose his divine will to be done in and through her. The two shall become one flesh. This is Christ Jesus, born of her who was without sin, and she is our role model. Let us listen to the words of St. John of the Cross in the living flame of love, seeing in his words our blessed mother. And then the call to each one of us. He writes, This flame of love is the spirit of its bridegroom, who is the Holy Spirit. The soul feels him within itself, not only as a fire that has consumed and transformed it, but as a fire that burns and flares up within it. As I mentioned, and that flame, every time it flares up, bathes the soul in glory and refreshes it with the quality of divine life. Such is the activity of the Holy Spirit in the soul transformed in love. The interior acts he produces shoot up flames, for they are acts of inflamed love, in which the will of the soul, united with that flame, made one with it, loves most sublimely. Thus these acts of love are most precious. One of them is more meritorious and valuable than all the deeds a person may have performed in the whole of life without this transformation, however great they may have been. The same difference lying between a habit and, and an act lies between the transformation in love and the flame of love. It is like the difference between the wood on the fire and the flame leaping from it. From the flame is the effect of the fire present there. This is from John of the Cross, Living Flame of Love uh, 3. This is the ICS publications. This is precisely why Mary was able to say, my soul magnifies the Lord. In St. John of the Cross's Canticle 1, number 6, he says, it should be known that the Word, the Son of God, together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, is hidden by his essence and his presence in the innermost being of the soul. 
Individuals who want to find him should leave all things through affection and will and enter themselves into the deepest recollection and let all things be as though not. So recollection contains the seed of the whole mystical life. And so who is the author of recollection? It is the Holy Spirit. And that's why I mentioned the little catechism earlier that each one of you should have a copy of that and to start reading it again. If you ask me why the intellect must be deprived of the truths since the Spirit of God illumines it through them and thus they are not bad, I will answer the Holy Spirit illumines the rect recollected intellect and illumines it according to the mode of its recollection. The intellect can find no better recollection than in faith, and thus the Holy Spirit will not illumine it in any other recollection more than in faith. The purer and more refined a soul is in faith, the more infused charity it has. And the more charity it has, the more the Holy Spirit illumines it and communicates his gifts, because charity is the means by which they are communicated. This is St. John of the Cross, uh, The Collected Works, The Ascent to Mount Carmel, 2, uh, 29 and 6. Before the divine fire is introduced into the substance of the soul and united with it through perfect and complete purgation and purity, its flame, which is the Holy Spirit, wounds the soul by destroying and consuming the imperfections of its bad habits. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit, in which he disposes it for divine union and transformation in God through love. The very fire of love that afterward is united with the soul, glorifying it, is what previously assailed it. By purging it, just as the fire that penetrates the log of a wood is the same that first makes an assault on the wood, wounding it with the flame, drying it out, and stripping it of unsightly qualities until it is so disposed that it can be penetrated and transformed into the fire. This was from um, John of the Cross, Living Flame of Love, 119. The Holy Spirit works in our lives by communication of his presence both within, with and without words. St. Teresa of Avila has said that it is not about whether, we, whether prayers are memorized or said out loud or not that it makes them of any value, but rather that we are attentive to whom we are speaking and what we are speaking to him. What matters is knowing that by virtue of our baptism, we have been called to be saints, to be in union with God for all eternity. And this is the essence that we should be longing for and, and the desire of each of our hearts. Everyone who glories, glories, glorifies the Father does so through the, whole, through the Son in the Holy Spirit. And everyone who follows Christ does so because the Father draws him and the Spirit moves him. That's um, from John's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 44. And in Romans 8, 14, John, St. John the Apostle writes, the God, the, that God is love and that he who abides in love abides in God. God can be likened to an eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who has destined the body of Christ to share in that exchange. In the Catechism 683, knowledge of faith is possible only in the Holy Spirit. 
To be in touch with Christ, we must first have been touched by the Holy Spirit. He comes to meet us and, and kindle faith in us. Think about these words in the context of, of Carmel. We live under the protection of our mother of Mount Carmel, our blessed mother, spouse of the Holy Spirit. In the Catechism 747, the Holy Spirit, whom Christ, the head, pours out on his members, builds, animates, and sanctifies the church. She is the sacrament of the Holy Trinity's communion with men. In uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, he says, I have come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it was already blazing. There is a baptism with which I must be baptized, and how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. It is indeed the Holy Spirit who will guide us most assuredly in these times as well. Let us draw closer to the Holy Spirit so that we can fulfill our mission as lay Carmelites. In John Gosp John's Gospel, chapter 14, we read, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you all that I, of what I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The effect of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives is often deep and a lasting peace. I often marvel at our great saints and their zeal for God. It was around 1557 that Teresa first experienced her ecstasy while at a monastery in the Incarnation in Avila. She was 42 years old at the time. About three or four years um, previous to this experience, she underwent a conversion before a very devotional statue, the much-wounded Christ. It was at that moment in which, being very distrustful of myself, placed all my trust in God. Although she went on improving, she still was not able to center her scattered heart entirely on the Lord. On the advice of her confessor, she began to commend the matter to God and recite the prayer to the Holy Spirit, the Veni Creator Spiritus. One day while reciting the hymn, after having spent a long time in prayer, begging the Lord to help me please help him in all things, a rapture came upon me so suddenly that it almost carried me out of myself. It was the first time the Lord granted her the favor of rapture, and she heard these words deep within her spirit. No longer do I want to converse with men, but with angels. These words had a healing effect on her and cured her definitively of her effective weaknesses and left her pure for what she later called, was called to write her interior castle. And she wrote about the betrothal of the soul with God. We can see in St. Teresa's interior castle how she, as she is called to speak about the upper dwelling places, the fourth mansion and onward, she shares that she begged the Holy Spirit to take over. She writes, in order to begin to speak of the fourth dwelling place, I really needed to entrust myself, as I have already done, to the Holy Spirit and to beg him to speak for me from here on that, that I may say something about the remaining rooms in a way that you will understand. 
for supernatural experiences begin from here. And this is the Interior Castle on page one, 107, ICS publication. We too should beg the Holy Spirit to take over our lives. The symbol of the castle enabled St. Teresa to begin her doctrinal part with the human person rather than the traditional outlines of the beginner, proficient, and perfect. The human being, as made in the image of God as a temple of the Holy Spirit, has a radical call to communion with God, but this call necessarily passes through Christ. The Christian grows in full union with Jesus Christ. The end phase of the journey through the castle, however, is Trinitarian and ecclesial. When persons reach the Trinitarian phase through their union with Christ, they focus especially on serving the church. And this is the Interior Castle Study Edition, page 32. We are apostolic contemplatives who live in the world who are set apart by the fact that our desire is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. In the Catechism, Numbers 2711, 2712, and 2715, it states that the contemplation is the gaze of faith fixed on Jesus. Where does this grace to do so come from? The Holy Spirit. Jesus sent him to us to teach us everything. I would like to close with a beautiful prayer to the Holy Spirit by St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. It was a poem that was never completed and one of her last writings before she was taken off to Auschwitz and killed on the 9th of August in 1942. The manuscript itself remains in the Carmel in Echt and was probably written in the summertime of 1942. Who are you, sweet light that fills me and illumines the darkness of my heart? You lead me like a mother's hand, and should you let go of me, I would not know how to take another step. You are the space that embraces my being and buries it in yourself. Away from you, it sinks into the abyss of nothingness from which you raised it to light. You nearer to me than I to myself and more interior than my most interior and still impalpable and intangible and beyond any name. Holy Spirit, eternal love. Are you not the sweet manna that from the sun's heart overflows into my heart, the food of angels and the blessed, he who raised himself from death to life, he who also awakened me to new life from the sleep of death, and he gives me new life from day to day, and at some time his fullness is to stream through me. Life of your life indeed, you yourself, Holy Spirit, eternal life. Are you the ray that flashes down from the eternal judge's throne and breaks into the night of the soul that had never known itself? Mercifully, resentlessly, it penetrates hidden folds, alarmed at seeing itself, the self makes space for holy fear, the beginning of that wisdom that comes from on high and anchors us firmly in the heights, your action that creates us anew, Holy Spirit ray that penetrates everything. Are you the Spirit's fullness of the power 
by which the Lamb releases the seal of God's eternal decree. Driven by you, the messengers of judgment ride through the world and separate with a sharp sword the kingdom of light from the kingdom of night. Then heaven becomes new and new the earth, and all finds its proper place through your breath. Holy Spirit, victorious power, are you the master who builds the eternal cathedral which towers from the earth through heavens? Animated by you, the columns are raised high and stand immovably firm. Marked with the eternal name of God, they stretch up to the light, bearing the dome, which crowns the holy cathedral. Your work that encircles the world, Holy Spirit, God's molding hand, are you the one who created the unclouded mirror next to the Almighty's throne, like a crystal sea in which divinity lovingly looks at itself? You bend over the fairest work of your creation, and radiantly your own gaze is illumined in return. And all of the creatures, the pure beauty, is joined in one in the dear form of the Virgin, your Immaculate Bride, a Holy Spirit, creator of all. Are you the sweet song of love and the holy awe that eternally resounds around the trying throne that weds in itself the clear chimes of each and every being, the harmony that joins together the members to the head in which each one finds the mysterious meaning of his being blessed and joyously surges forth, freely dissolved in your surging, Holy Spirit, eternal jubilation. <laughs> 